The purpose of this forum is for you to provide helpful feedback to entrepreneurs that are trying to have a social impact in healthcare, right? So if you're gonna complain and post defamatory comments, you better be able to support your arguments. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Digital Health Entrepreneurship Show with Lawrence Gerard. Uh, today, we are going to be talking um, about advisors and how to be a good advisor, how to be a productive advisor. So, Lawrence, tell us what's going on in your world and why this is a topic that you wanted to talk about on the podcast. Well, I have you know more than 300 physicians who have invested over $20 million into our telemedicine company, Fruit Street, but we're not just using them as uh, investors, we've asked them to participate as advisors on an online discussion forum called Basecamp, where it's supposed to be collaborative. It's supposed to be a place where they give us helpful suggestions. They help the company. They encourage the company. And if they have criticism, it's constructive criticism. It's constructive feedback. So the way you would give constructive feedback would be, I don't think you're making the right decision here because of X, Y, Z. And the solution that I have to help you fix that is X, Y, Z or ABC, right? But to just criticize from the peanut gallery and complain and say defamatory things, that, that's not the purpose of being an advisor in a startup. You have to be helpful to a startup. That's what they need. It's already difficult enough to do entrepreneurship. And entrepreneurs need advisors that put wind in their sails and help steer them in the right direction, not people that throw rocks at them. How much of this sort of stuff do you think is related to ego or control or those sort of things? You know, do you think the advisor was giving bung advice is you just got a big ego or wants to control what you're doing? Is it something like that or is it something else? Well, why don't we take a specific example of something that happened yesterday? Um, so, you know, we hired a new CFO. He's a genius. Worked at Google doing finance, MBA degree from Wharton. Put together a super, you know, robust financial model where every assumption is laid out. And we did a one-hour presentation to our shareholders, which we didn't have to do. You know, we wanted to take the time to educate them and get their feedback. And so we presented this in front of 70 people last night. Then we posted it to Basecamp, our discussion forum. And a wise guy doctor decided that he was going to post in front of 600 physicians that the financials were pie in the sky. But he didn't support his argument with any evidence. He didn't say why he thought that. He just said they're pie in the sky, right? And then one of our investors who put 600 grand in said, you know, uh, compared Fruit Street to Amazon in a passing comment. And then this guy goes, oh, um, you know, it's laughable that you should compare Fruit Street to Amazon. Well, guess what, buddy? Every big company was once a small company or an idea in a napkin, okay? Right? And if you shoot for the moon and miss, you land among the stars. So let's just relax, okay? And um, you know, so I said to him, I said, uh, okay, I understand that you think the financials are pie in the sky. He also proclaimed to be a digital health and financial genius, essentially. So I said, great, since you're such a digital health and financial genius, why don't you enlighten the 600 doctors you just posted in front of and explain to us, A, what you find to be so wrong, so poor with the financial model, and B, how you suggest to 
improve them because the purpose of this advisory board forum is not for you to bitch and complain. Am I allowed to say that on Apple Podcasts? I don't know. Whatever. Um, say whatever you want. That's why <laughs> right. podcasts are great. All right. So fuck this guy. Anyway, um, the purpose of this forum is not for you to complain, right? The purpose of this forum is for you to provide helpful feedback to entrepreneurs that are trying to have a social impact in healthcare, right? So if you're going to complain and post defamatory comments, you better be able to support your arguments. So I said, look, this forum is a collegiate place for you to participate in academic debate, right? So if you're going to complain and post defamatory comments, you better be able to support your arguments. So I said, look, this forum is a collegiate place for you to participate in academic debate and science, fact-based arguments, right? Not complaining, right? So I said, hey, Dr. I'd love to get your feedback. Why don't you um, tell us what you think is wrong with the financial model and how you would do it differently? I don't even think you read the financial model because frankly, I didn't even read it because it's dozens of tabs. Obviously, I talked to our CFO and I gave him input on the key assumptions like, revenue per visit, how many doctors you're going to have. Like he didn't read it. I mean, I could be wrong, but I highly doubt he read every single tab of the financial model or sat there for hours analyzing it. Right. So instead of, um, you know, telling us what he thinks is wrong with the financial model and how we could improve it, he just complains. And then he refused to, uh, actually give us feedback. So what's the job of an investor in a startup and an advisor? It, like if you have a venture capitalist come on your board of directors, they always try to provide added value, not just money, but good advice and guidance and mentoring, right? Part of an investor's job, especially, you know, a lot of investors are 50, 60 years old and they've been around the block a few times. Well, guess what? Right. And what is medicine about? It's about mentorship. It's about older doctors training younger doctors. Right. So instead of just criticizing, give us a solution, tell us what we're doing wrong provide us with mentorship, right? Um, give constructive criticism, but don't complain from the peanut gallery while we're working 18 hours a day to get you a return on investment. Right. So are you kind of pointing towards uh, that we probably should not be, or investors, advisors really should not be providing, I guess, feedback or criticism without pairing that with a solution? Yeah, I mean, generally I'd say, yeah. I mean, you know, like if you want to respectfully disagree with something, that's fine, right? Like, let's say we say we're going to take this action, right? The board of directors has decided X, Y, Z, right? And if you want to disagree in like a polite way and say, you know, Lawrence or dear board of directors, I respectfully disagree with this decision, you know, that's fine. But let's not use childish baby phrases like, oh, the financials are pie in the sky, right? Or these little snide remarks, right? Let's respectfully disagree. It's okay if we disagree, right? I encourage disagreement because the way that you, you arrive at good business conclusion is through disagreement, right? And debate, right? And so there's a fortune cookie I had once, one of my favorite quotes, if two men in a business always agree, one is unnecessary, right? But, you know, if you're going to be that asshole That's that awesome. screws up, the, you know, if you, you're going to be that asshole that screws up the corporate culture, or post dumb shit in front of 600 investors, you can't participate, right? I'm fine with people disagreeing with me. One of the reasons why I have hundreds of advisors 
Because I want people to disagree with me. I want them to tell me why I'm wrong, right? But I don't want these little, you know, disrespectful remarks where you're not doing anything constructive. You're not, it's important to have a positive culture, not just in the employees, but in the investor base, right? It's okay if we fuck something up. It's okay, right? It's okay if we were wrong about financial projections. It's okay if we miss our financial projections. But what's not okay is negativity and having a bad culture, right? So personally, if I was going to criticize someone and I was an investor, right? Let's say I'm the investor. I have a venture capital fund. It's called Hippocrates Ventures. Now we're starting a fund for COVID ventures. I've invested in companies. I have never, ever even criticized a company at all without providing a proposed solution to solve their problem. Right? Because who, who am I? This entrepreneur is spending 100 hours a week. It's their baby. It's their brainchild. Who am I, the person that put in 25, 50, 100 grand to tell this person that I know better when I think about this, you know, 10 minutes a month, right? I mean, who am I? What do I know? I don't know anything. I'm not the person who's pouring my heart and soul into this thing for hundreds of hours, right? When I invest, I bet on the person. And if I can give them a good piece of advice, fine. Right, but they probably know better than me because they do this every single day. Right, when they wake up in the morning, they check their phone before they go to the bathroom and they look at their phone. They fall asleep with their phone in their hand. Right, they know better than me. I don't know shit. I don't know anything. I'm just a dumb investor. I don't know anything. I mean, I'm joking, but like, if I'm gonna say something and open my mouth, I better have something constructive to say that's gonna be helpful to the entrepreneur. Because if I'm not helpful to the entrepreneur, they're gonna be demotivated and they're not gonna want to work hard, and it's just not gonna be a successful outcome for me as an investor. There's something I'm thinking of. It's the idea of like, when is too much, you know, like, you know, the, the time when you cut it off. So you mentioned in a previous episode that you find some software developers and, and this guy who's providing problematic advice. Maybe you, did you blacklist him from base camp or something like that? Oh yeah, he's gone. He's gone. There's zero tolerance. Well, this, what? That's what I'm interested in. Like, what's the what's the point where you, you try to work with people, and where's the point? Where's the point? You're like, oh, I'm sick. I've had enough. They're out. Like, Especially is, is there some advice about money. that? It's yeah. a three strike approach, right? I mean, not literally, but you know, this guy posted his comment. He said, um, you know, your financials are pie in the sky. So I said to him, okay, you know, thanks for your feedback but could you please be more specific and tell me what's wrong with the financials specifically? Like what cell in the spreadsheet is wrong, right? And please provide us with your version of the financials. And I said, if you're gonna have a telemedicine company now, you tell me what they should be and maybe we'll follow your guidance since you're such a digital health and financial genius. Tell us. And instead of responding to that, he says that I need to apologize to him. So I need to apologize to you we're asking you to participate in academic, scientific, rigorous debate because you're not capable or you choose not to participate in academic debate. No, no, nobody, right? And then he goes on and on and on three times, refusing to do that in front of 600 people. You know, it's one thing to disagree in a one-on-one like that, but when you're doing something publicly in front of 600 people, that's completely different. I wonder if people are just too emotional. Like, I, like his refusal to provide supporting evidence might be an example of someone they just don't have the data they just have they just run on gut feelings but aren't you also a guy who you trust your gut sometimes like there must be examples where you don't have data but you just have that like a feeling for something i'm not trying to contrast you to that that physician investor 
but it's just the idea that sometimes you you might be a CEO who has gut feelings that aren't based on data. Well, there's qualitative and there's quantitative data. It's not always a math equation, but uh-huh. you can speak from experience. I mean, not everything is, you know, quantitative, right? So as a CEO of a not everything's in a spreadsheet. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, and I can speak from experience. I spend a hundred hours a week for six years on this. I mean, you know, a hundred hours a week is, you know, I mean, I've spent probably almost 50,000 hours just the 10,000 hour, you know, rule to become an expert in something, you know, and this guy's like, Oh, I'm, I'm such a genius, right? Blah, blah, blah. I've had all these digital health exits. Like, come on, man, you're a doctor. Like I love the doctors, right? I love them. They're super helpful, but like, come on, you're a full-time or, or at least half-time practicing doctor. Like you're not right. I mean, come on. Like, I've been doing digital health entrepreneurship for eight years full time. I haven't had another job. I've been doing this since I graduated from college. Actually, I dropped out of college to do this and then I finished college right later on. Right. Like, I've been doing this eight for eight years. Huh. And, and you know what else it is, Lee? I think most doctors are very humble people because I think medicine humbles you and it gives you this passion for lifelong learning. And I'm going to say some controversial stuff, but it's real. Right. Right. But there's some doctors that, you know, MD for them stands for major drama. And that's something our first investor said, Asif Ali, that is not my invention. A doctor told me that, right? And so some of them are not humble. Some of them have an ego, okay? And um, they think that because they're a doctor and they made a few good investments in digital health startups, that somehow makes them an expert. And they don't respect entrepreneurs that maybe they only have a bachelor's degree, but they've been working in digital health for eight years. Like, so why don't we look at business people the same way we look at doctors? I've been doing this for eight years. I have a PhD on, in, in common sense in digital health. So why is my opinion not respected just because I don't have MD after my name? Hey, Lawrence, I want to go into something hypothetical. Uh, I wonder, I really want to know if you were like in a, guy who, a guy who apologized. So for instance, hypothetically, if this physician had access to Basecamp again and were to come digitally back into the fold and he were to present data supporting his evidence, would you, Lawrence, uh, apologize? And I say this, not to put you on the spot in a, sh- in a crappy way, but it's the Good idea question. that, but it's like as, as, a, as a leader of a company, leader of like intense teams that are doing crazy difficult work, what are your thoughts on the power of apology, owning up to your own mistakes, et cetera, please? I mean, I'm a big fan of um, like, even in like my, I think it's in my, like, you know, Ketubah, like Jewish wedding thing. Like you kind of write this thing and you hang it up, whatever. Uh, you know, it's slow to anger, quick to forgiveness. I don't think a more forgiving person on planet earth exists, right? Like you could threaten to kill my whole family just from my whole life and I'll just let it go. That's an extreme yeah. example. Can you give us a business <laughs> example? <laughs> no, I mean, you could sue me and I'd apologize. Like I don't, I don't, it's fine, right? Like I let the past be the past and I focus on the future, right? Now, am I going to apologize, you know, for something that I didn't do? No, but I might say to him, um, if, if hypothetically this guy did provide data, then you would look at the data, right? And then you would say something. Well, well I'd Maybe. say, I'm, you know, I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm not going to say I'm sorry for what I did because I stand by what I did. I have no regrets about what I did. Right. Which is basically just asking you to engage in scientific academic debate. Right. I'll say, I'm sorry if I offended you. Cause that's frankly not my fault. It's his because of the way he interpreted what I said, but I'm not going to sit there and apologize for what's a very normal business behavior, yeah. which is to say, let's, let's talk about it. 
let's engage in scientific academic debate. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to apologize for something that I did that's extremely normal business behavior. Yeah. Right. I can't speak from your perspective. Sorry, Seth. Um, but you know, like for me, like I can't necessarily articulate why I prefer a logo to be this color or you know, like music for a podcast to be such and such a tune, but definitely not the other one. I kind of, I can't explain it. That's a, an example where in business, there's, there's no scientific debate uh, abilities there for me because I just, like, I prefer this color logo. I prefer that podcast music. Anyway, um, that sparks a response from you guys. Great. I think it's important. Uh, uh, yeah. And I, yeah, I think it's important because uh, the question here is like, how do you be go- how do you be a supportive advisor and stuff? So like if some of your other advisors are listening or some other physician investors, people that are, would maybe one day consider investing in fruit street, um, like what is the ideal role of somebody that's providing feedback? Like describe feedback that when you see, you're like, okay, this is great. This is productive. This is helping the company move forward and that you're going to like respond to that well. Yeah. Um, Okay. So obviously we've established that, you know, complaining or posting defamatory comments without providing constructive criticism. And so right? Um, but um, the thing that's also, it's not useless, but it's not the most productive thing is like this cheerleading, right? So like a lot of our doctors will post on Basecamp, like I'll post an update and I'll be like, great job, amazing, killer, let's have an IPO, right? And I'm just like, all right, I, yeah, okay. It is encouraging. It puts a little bit of wind in my sails, but like, you know, like you are posting in front of 600 people and like every time you post great job, like 600 people get like an email, like, you know, like maybe you don't need to do that. Right. Um, so I, I like that, but like, it would be better to be constructive. Right. So great job. And here's an insightful two to three sentence comment about how we could do even better. Right. So that's what I would say to that. Always try to provide some sort of yeah. piece of constructive behavior that pushes the envelope to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And I think this will, I imagine this will be a conversation that we talk about often um, because uh, you are a unique entrepreneur, Lawrence, and that you have several hundred advisors that you've welcomed into your circle. So I know yeah, let me add jo- something. Yeah. Let me add something. Let's imagine that we had a venture capital firm on our board, like Sequoia Capital, Greylock, Excel Partners, like uh, Tim Draper, you know, Alfred Lim, like these world famous venture capitalists from Sand Hill Road. Could you imagine how ridiculous of a board meeting it would be if I had like Alfred Lynch from Sequoia Capital, Tim Draper, right? Uh, Andreessen Horowitz on my board, right? The three of them, and then it's me, me, and I'm the CEO, right? And I'm like, so, do you think I'm doing a good job? And they're like, yes, great job. And then um, one of them didn't like how it was going, and he just said, your financial projections are pie in the sky. And then that was the end of the board meeting. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, come on. Like the person who says you're doing a great job would be so articulate and business savvy. They probably went to Harvard business school or Stanford school of business. Right. And they're like, this is why you're doing a great job. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Right. And it would take them 20 minutes to present. And then the next person would be like, you know, I think that your underlying assumption in the financial model is wrong because I don't think you can have, you know, 300 doctors doing one session a day. Like, you know what, you should really have a hundred doctors doing five sessions a day. And here's why, and here's an example of what another company is doing. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what would happen. So 
yeah. doctors are great in, as investors, right? But like, you know, if you're going to get involved in investing in startups, like read some books, listen to some venture capitalists talk, educate yourself, right? Read books like Lean Startup and understand the process of like innovation, right? Because, you know, yeah, we have the First Amendment, but like, you know what? If you felt, yell fire in a movie theater and there's not a fire, you can't do that, right? So just don't do that in a startup either. Yeah. No, I think that's great. A great clarification. And, and even in more public facing investor relations, like what people see on Shark Tank or something, which I know is a whole nother conversation of Shark Tank, but you don't just hear them say like, oh, your financials suck. You hear them saying like, oh, where's like, what's your cost per acquisition? And what's like, they're asking specific questions, even though on TV, like we're seeing a five minute conversation that was actually an hour long conversation of these investors digging in and stuff. And so I think what you're saying of like, you imagine these famous investors just saying like, well, that sucks. Like that's not reality. Right, right. But they might curse and they might swear and whatever, right? Because like, that's like, like, come on, you know, we live, we live in a different world. This is not a hundred years ago. That's another one of my pet peeves. People that are offended when someone curses to express emotion. I hate that. Like, look at Gary V. The guy curses more than a sailor, like every three seconds, but he's passionate. It's like, like, I got to play a video. Okay. I got to play a video. (laughs) All right. We're going, we're going there. There's no such thing as bad language. I don't believe that anymore. It's, it's ridiculous. They call it a debasing of the language. No, we are adults. These are the words that we use to express frustration, rage, anger, in order that we don't pick up a tire and beat the shit out of something. What do people say? What, what is the good language you're supposed to use that's supposed to help you overcome certain things? What do people say who don't use those words? Somebody who after 40 years uh, loses their job, is fired, let's say, or let go, and they lose their pension and their welfare and their benefits. They lose everything. They sit on the couch all day going, oh, pussy feathers. Sassafras, sassafras, sassafras. I know you don't use bad language in front of these people. I understand that. Okay? Because these people are the movers and the shakers. These are the people who are our first line of defense when it comes to the terrorist threat. But the word shit makes them cry. Why did he say poopy? Why did they say poopy? So, Lawrence, what are these? What are the exceptions? You know, like, when do you not like you know, in your wedding vows? You didn't say the f word. You know, like, you're like I'm being silly, but you know, like, are there exceptions? Yeah, there are. Like, you know, um, you know, if you're in, I'm just trying to think of a good example. Like, if someone does something that's so out of line, so offensive, right? Like. Let's say, I'll give you an example. Uh, let me think of a good one. I don't know. Let's say somebody is having a business meeting with you, right? And it's like somewhat time sensitive, but it's not imminent, right? And you're going, talking to them until like midnight, right? And you're tired, right? And you're just like, look, can I just have, you know, eight hours to sleep and we can resume this discussion first thing in the morning and they won't let you go to sleep? Guess what? Fuck you, right? 
on a humanitarian basis, fuck you. Okay? You know, there's things that are just on a humanitarian basis bullshit. Right? You know? And it's just like, come on. You know, this is not the Harvard Library, right? Like, we're not in, like, the U.S. Senate. Like, come on. You know, let's focus on real issues. Like, how do we have a social impact in healthcare? How do we do public service? How do we solve COVID-19? Like, don't tell me that I said the F word. Like, come on, grow up. So that's what I have to say to that. Yeah, I think I think this gets to the, the pettiness of people. Like, occasionally, I'm, I'm petty in my yeah. mind. I'm like, I, I, I'm such a bitch about, you know, like something being left out in the kitchen or, right. you know, like my stuff on my desk being moved, don't, don't touch my stuff. And I'm really petty and I complain. But it's different if I think about it and I voice it. If I could, the wrong word is suppress, but maybe it's the right word. Like if I stop it before I pollute the world with my toxicity, then that's the thing. I think, yeah, there's a fine line there, but. Oh, oh by the way, I got another video. So I took a course on JFK. <laughs> Let's do it. I, took, I took a course on JFK at Harvard, right? Yeah. And this guy cursed more than anybody. I just Google this in two seconds, but let's just listen to this. I, I don't know what, what's going to find, but I think this is a gem. General, yes, sir. That Air Force is caused itself more grief with that silly bastard. Did you see the post this morning? Yes, sir. I'm looking. See that fellow's picture by the bed? Yes, sir. I think, and you see that furniture they bought from Jordan Marsh? What the hell are they let the reporters in there for? Are they crazy up there? Now you know what's going to do. Any congressman's going to get up and say, Christ, if they can throw $5,000 away on this, let's cut them another billion dollars. You just sank the Air Force budget. You're crazy up there. Are they crazy? That silly bastard with his picture next to the bed? Sir, I'm uh, appalled. But, uh... Well, I'm appalled, too. Uh, and now, the I thing is, I, the uh, thing of the matter is, I'm going to get that furniture. I just told Sylvester, you can talk to him. I want to find out if we pay for that furniture, because I want it to go back to Jordan Marshall's. All right, sir. Then I want that fellow's incompetent who had his picture taken next to Mrs. Kennedy's bed, if that's what it is. I mean, he's a silly bastard. I wouldn't have him running a cat house. And that uh, Colonel Carlson, who led in Larry Newman and those reporters, is he crazy, too? Christ, they're not all incompetent. Is that the way they're throwing money around over there? You better look into it, and especially when you told me that they hadn't spent a cent. Well, sir, this is uh, obviously... Uh... Well, this is obviously a fuck-up. That's, that's okay. Right. That's right. 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 Who knows if that's 100% real, but it sounds real to me. I and mean, I think the, the point of all of this is like, you have to be willing as a business owner and as an advisor, like you have to be okay expressing yourself, but you can't, you have to be able to do that in like, in a way that's actually healthy, in a way that's actually moving things forward. Like you can't just be like yelling at people and stuff. Like, I mean, even in that call, like he's saying, all right, here's what you're going to do and stuff. So you have to express yourself, but you still got to do it in a way that moves things forward. I'm looking on the internet. That was a real conversation. I could be wrong, but, um, oh, 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 one more article just to lay it in real good. Here's a Rolling Stone article, right? I'm not saying that just because a president does something, it's allowed. Like, all right. Like when Trump says ground by the pussy, like, yeah, like, don't do that. Like, that's like, that, that's like a real thing. Like, don't treat women that way. Like, come on, what the hell is that? But like when Kennedy's just using the F word to like, you know, just express anger and disgust, like, yeah, like whatever. You're not really saying anything. Like, what does it mean when I say fuck you? It means like, I don't like what you're doing, right? Like, right. I didn't say I'm going to like kill your mom or something. 
You know what I mean? Like, let's all grow up here. You know, yeah, it's, it's like too many people are, are precious snowflakes who get offended and they, they're missing the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, if you, if you tell, tell us to you know, fuck off, you're like, well, I might get offended by it. It's, it's intense. I get it. But it, I get both sides of it is what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. So Lawrence, this has been a, this has been a fun conversation about, you know, we've talked about in, investor communication. We've talked about criticism. We've talked about profanity and stuff like this all comes back to being able to express your opinion in a way that's constructive. What are your last thoughts before we wrap this episode up? Hey, look, if you are someone that is able to perfectly control your anger at all times, no matter what bad thing happens into the world, and you don't say the F word once in your life, God bless you. I'm so jealous of you. That is not me. And I don't know anyone who can do that. But anyway, um, obviously, you always want to be respectful to other people, especially when they're showing you that respect. It's the golden rule, right? Treat others as you want to be treated. So I try to never throw the first punch as you will, right? But also, it's good to de-escalate, right? Like, you don't want to get into, like, a pissing match where, like, you say something, they say something, you say something, they say something, right? Like, just end it. Like, just let it go when you can, right? But, like, just always try to show mutual respect with the golden rule. And let's try to engage in scientific, academic debate where we show mutual respect. I think that's great. And I think that this will probably be something of, like, how do we communicate with advisors, with key stakeholders, is going to be something we're talking about often. So thanks for sharing, Lawrence. Thank you. Okay.